Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word that we meditate on this morning is our epistle lesson from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. There's sometimes when you're reading a section of scripture that you are wondering, what is this even about? Right? Some of scripture can be difficult to understand. Tough to peel through the layers and figure out what is God saying to me here? What is the message I'm supposed to take away? Not with the section we have before us this morning. <laughs> it's obvious, isn't it? I mean, it's right there. Eight verses, 18 times. The word love. What God is saying to us here is so clear, so crystal clear. Love. 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 But what does that mean? What does it mean to love? When God tells us to love each other as he's loved us, what, is, what does love actually mean? What does that look like? Well, the, the word that's used here 18 times is a form of the word, Greek word, agape. It's in different forms. It's in a, in a noun form. It's in a verb form here, adjective. But, but this, they all have the root of that word agape. And there's different kinds of words for love in the Greek language. In English, we just have the one love. But this, this agape love is a love that God has for us. This agape love is a love that is selfless, a love that is sacrificial, a love that is completely unconditional, no strings attached at all. This kind of love, this agape love, is putting others' needs before your own, thinking of yourself last, if at all putting others before you. That's what agape love is. That's the word that's used here 18 times in this section, that kind of love. You know, sometimes people identify love by what love is not. And, and, and the, the antonym or the opposite of love that people often first think of is hate. But that's not necessarily true. 
Love and hate, in some contexts, might be opposites of each other, but it's, it's more than that. It's not just hating something is the opposite of love. Some describe the opposite of love as indifference. Just don't care. That might fit in some contexts, too. But it doesn't really satisfy completely what, what the antonym of agape love is. Instead, what it really is, what this agape love is not, the opposite of agape love is selfishness. Thinking about self only and no one else. With that definition of love and with that opposite of what love really is, now we can really begin to dig in and say, what is, what is God really saying to us here in these verses? Maybe it's not as simple as it seems just by reading through. Oh, I know I'm supposed to love. That's obvious, not just in this section, but we heard it in our gospel lesson. We hear it all over the Bible. <laughs> really, the purpose of the Christian's life is to love God and love each other. That's what our lives are all about in this world. Loving with an agape love, an unselfish love, a sacrificial love, an unconditional love, an endless love. It's so plain, it's so clear, but man, that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to love in the way that God calls us to. It's hard to love that coworker who's only out for themselves, who is lazy, cuts corners, but yet takes all the credit when it comes time for the project to be submitted. It's hard to love them, isn't it? They're only out for themselves. How can I love somebody like that? It's hard to love that neighbor, isn't it? That neighbor whose yard is just an absolute mess, cars parked all over the place, making noise till two in the morning, dogs barking all the time. It's hard to love somebody who just doesn't seem to care about anybody but themselves. How do you show an agape love to a neighbor like that? It's hard to love that family member who's so opinionated and they are happy to share it with you any chance they have. It's hard when you know that they're wrong but you know that there's nothing you can say that's going to convince them. And you're kind of stuck with them. They're family, right? They're going to be at every gathering. <laughs> right? They're always there. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family, they say. you got to put up with them. How do you show an agape love to those family members who think they know everything? It's hard to show love even to our kids sometimes, isn't it? When they're disrespectful. When they think they know everything. When they're ungrateful for all that you've done for them. It can be hard to love, even, even a child that God has entrusted to us sometimes, can't it? To show them an agape love. It can be hard to love that husband. That husband who 
doesn't follow through on his word. The husband who says one thing but does another. The husband who has a short temper, blows up easily. It's hard to show agape love, isn't it? It's hard to love that wife who's constantly on your back, telling you what to do, what to wear, what to eat, when you should go here and when you should go there. It should be hard to show an agape love even to the people closest to us, can it? The words are clear on this page. <laughs> love. Love as God has loved you. Love one of the agape love. And as Christians, we know this is what our lives are all about. But when you get out there into the real world, into real situations with real people, it's hard. So what do you do? What do you do when you know what God has called you to be and what he's called you to do, and yet you look at your life and it's usually just the opposite? When you realize that this love is completely anti-selfish that you are called to love with. This love that is not just about what you do and what you say, but even why you do it. Because God sees into the heart and knows why. Maybe the first thing to do is, is to think about all the times you make it hard to love you. We're real good at setting high standards for other people and lowering the bar for ourselves, aren't we? We're really good at putting on these expectations of our spouses and our kids and our family members and, and our co-workers and our neighbors. We're really good at, at setting this bar high and how they need to act to really deserve our love and get our love. But, but do you make it hard for others to love you? Maybe that's a good place to start. To see yourself as a sinner, too. To see yourself as someone who isn't always perfect. Maybe you realize how hard it is to love you sometimes. And beyond that, what about God? Do you make it hard for him to love you? You know what God expects of you? Listen, listen again here, kind of right in the middle of our lesson. He says, or I'm sorry, near the end of our lesson, he says in that second section, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. us not loving the people we can see around us. He sees the lack of love. He sees a lot of selfishness, doesn't he? A lot of times where I'm thinking, what's in this for me? How come they're getting ahead and cutting corners and here I am struggling? How come my spouse doesn't treat me better? How come my kids don't respect me more? How come my neighbors are so unruly? How come my family members are so annoying? What God sees is these attitudes that are nothing but selfish. Attitudes that think nothing about me first. Attitudes that do not reflect his love at all. 
what God sees is not what he expects. Not what he commands. Not what a life of a Christian should look like in this world, loving him and loving one another. But yet in spite of what he sees, in spite of what he sees in your life and in your heart and in your mind, he loves you anyways. In spite of what God sees, God shows his love for you. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, God, God knows. God knows your hatred. He knows your indifference. He knows your selfishness. He knows it all, and yet still, he says that love is not you loving God. Because he knows you can't truly love him with a perfectly selfless, self, selfless love. He knows that love is, first and foremost, what he does for you what he has done for you by sending his one and only son to be that atoning, covering sacrifice for all of your lack of love, for all of your indifference, for all of your selfishness. That's what love looks like. That's what love really is. God's love for you. That word love is in here in these eight verses 18 times. But not far behind is another word. God. Well, it encourages you and commands you here as a Christian to love as God has loved you. The focus here is God and his love for you. His unconditional, no strings attached love that doesn't say, prove that you love me and then I'll forgive you. But no, he, that Savior is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of you and for all people. This love of God that is absolutely selfless. This love that we see in Jesus Christ who was willing to leave heaven and take on flesh and to live the life that you cannot for you. This love of God that is sacrificial. That God himself would be willing to take the curse of my sin upon himself and to suffer my punishment so that I could be forgiven and I could be set free. This love of my God that is endless. That will never, ever have a limit. There will never be a day where God says, I just can't love you anymore. I'm done. But no, that love for, that God has for you spans into eternity. It lasts forever. It is boundless. It is limitless. That is God's love for you, dear Christian. This love, this perfect, giving, agape love that our God has shown you through Christ Jesus, your Savior. And why? It's all grace. Not because of anything you earn, not because of anything you deserve, but only his grace. God has no reason to love me. I give him no reason to love me, but he does anyways. 
on this Mother's Day, and maybe you think about the love of your mother, that, that love that led her to stay up with you all night when you were crying and you were hurting or you were sick, that love of your mother that even though you treated her terribly, she was always willing to forgive, that love of that mother who brought you into this world <laughs> and provided for every need you had until you could provide for yourself. But maybe on this Mother's Day, this day brings some pain, too, for some of us. For mothers who maybe weren't there for us when they should have been. For mothers whose love wasn't always constant and providing. And maybe, maybe that hurt is because you're one of those mothers who looks back on all of all of the mistakes you made and the sins you committed against your children and know that you didn't love your children as God called you to perfectly and unconditionally. Wherever you are on that spectrum today on Mother's Day, focus back on that love of your Father for you. That forgiving, that selfless, that unconditional love that says no matter what, no matter what you have done or not done, you are loved. You are mine. It says in Isaiah that how can a mother forget her child at her breast? A mother who cares for her child is going to provide for that child. But yet, even if a mother would forsake their child, the promise there is that God never will. The Lord can never forget the Lord will always provide. The Lord will always be faithful. And if you want that proof, look back to the cross. Look to that atoning sacrifice for your sins and for your children's sins and for all of our sins. Look to the atoning sacrifice of that perfect love of our Savior Jesus, who loves us unconditionally. And friends, it's only when we know that love of God that we are able to, to drop these standards that we have for others. It's only when we know that love of God that we are able to, to stop thinking of self and start looking out at a world that needs our love. At family members, spouses, and children, and yes, neighbors and even co-workers who need that love of God. It's only then that we can truly love with an agape love. Listen to what John writes by inspiration of the Spirit. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then he says a little later, he says, We love. We love because He first loved us. You know, when you think about these people in your life, these people who sometimes make it hard to love. When you think about that coworker, cuts corners, is lazy, and takes credit for the project that you did most of the work for. When it's hard to love that coworker, maybe ask yourself, well, why would God love someone like me? 
When you think about that neighbor who gives you no reason to love them, think about what reason do I have God to give God to love me? None. When I think about my family members, those closest to me and, and those who should love me most and, and, and that I should love most and best, think about how God's love for you is unconditional. That love that God showed you first. That love that God has filled your heart with and now you get the opportunity to show that love to those around you. Think about that Savior who's willing to lay down his life for you. Who says, I want to spend eternity with you. And now we get to show that love to one another. Maybe not in the most perfect of ways all the time, but to be but a reflection of that love that God has shown to us as we forgive, as we are humble, as we are kind, as we are patient, as we are compassionate, as we model that love of Jesus, that love that says, you first. How can I serve you? How can I love you with the love that God has poured out into my heart? Your friends, it, it, we are the opportunity for others to get to experience God's love. Right? John says that here. He says that we don't get to see God, but we get to see each other. And we are the opportunity to show God to one another, to show his love to each other. The purpose of our lives as Christians, number one, is to know that love of God more and more and more to gather around his means of grace and word and sacrament, and to see that love that God has for us on full display, then and then only can we be empowered to know that love, but then live that love in our lives. To go and to share that love. And this is not optional. Jesus said it. This is, this is my command that you should love one another. It's repeated here in John. This is the command he's given us. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. But friends, this is not a command that is burdensome. This is not a command that God says you have to do. This is a command we get to do. We get to be God's love to one another. We get to put each other first. We get to show the love of God to each other because we know that love and we live in that love and we cherish that love. Without love, that love of God, you can't love like this. It's impossible. Because love comes from God. God is love. Know that love. Grow in that love. And look for those opportunities that God gives you every day to go and live that love. Amen.